Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton uh, with Justin Wells here on this Thursday. Each and every uh, Thursday, Justin and Joe Cook normally uh, join each other for a little chat, but Joe is traveling. Joe was actually down in Houston yesterday uh, covering the Houston Touchdown Club uh, piece that Steve Sarkeesian spoke at. We have uh, Sarkeesian's media appearance uh, there for you on uh, on Texas football. If you want to see it in its entirety, uh, just click one of the links there and it'll take you to it. Uh, but Justin, uh, he also had a uh, public session uh, with the, the group of the Houston Touchdown Club, which, which we got the audio of and are able to talk about a little bit today, uh, as well as some other things that are going on in and around uh, the campus as far as the portal, et cetera, that we want to let people know about the latest news uh, and what have you. Uh, Justin, first and foremost, I thought it was interesting. He really started in, in this public comment, he, the quote that I that I grabbed out of it. Uh, he said, it's my type of team, uh, this 2023 Longhorn group, yeah. uh, and uh, really went into to details why. Uh, give, give your take on this as, as far as why he thinks it's his type of team. I grasp uh, the concept uh, from knowing, like, when you start a business or whatever it it takes a while to develop into what you want it to be. But uh, from a football perspective, he really is into this, uh, this idea of building the right culture, et cetera. Yeah. I think with his type of team, I think it really just means he's getting his guys uh, with every, with, with any big job change uh, the you know, one of the biggest things you want to do is get your guys in there. So you can kind of push your culture and your agenda and, and your your philosophy in football and or anything that's involved. And I think that's what he means. He's got, you know, most of these guys, I think we're at a point where almost all of them are, are Sark's guys for the most point. And so at this stage, I think that's kind of what he means. Also, I, I think he's also deriving a little bit of it off of the offense because he's finally, his type of team is really an offense that can go vertical down the field. And I think he finally feels like he's got the components to do that. He got the quarterback last year. Quinn Ewers went through a season. Now he's revamped the wide receiver room, adding guys like A.D. Mitchell and, and Jonte Cook and those guys. And so now I think it, 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 it kind of covers a few different things, Bobby. But, but top to bottom, these are his players. And I think that's why it's his type of team. These are his guys. And not to mention the fact that, any Steve Sarkeesian-led football team is going to want to throw the football down the field. I think he finally has the guys to do that. And so my type of team, I almost feel like covers a myriad of the spectrum. Yeah, it does. It runs the gamut. Hey, you know, the other thing that he talked about in the open session, he, he did two things. One, he, he opened with opening remarks uh, and uh, talked about uh, 15 minutes or so and then took questions from the audience. Uh it was very interesting to me, Justin, while we talk about the offense, and I agree with you, it's more built for what he likes to do. Uh, one of the things he, he talked about was the transition that it takes time to build this stuff. It's just not instant bake. Uh, and so I felt like that was uh, very interesting. He also applied that to the defensive side of the ball uh, and started talking about Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator, and said, look, when I, Pete's been successful everywhere he's been, whether it's Boise or Washington, uh, I knew he would eventually be successful at Texas, and that's why we didn't make any um, uh, any uh, poor choices there uh, or quick trigger decisions uh, about them after his first season. He said the first year, uh, Pete did not have what he wanted or needed, and now he's starting to get it. 
And I, I thought it was very interesting. He felt like they were going to be good on defense again this coming year uh, and was very quick to say that they have 10 defensive starters returning uh, overall. Uh, so roughly, I know there's only 11 on the field, but there were 12 real starters last year if you include the uh, the uh, linebacker position and as well as uh, the defensive tackles and so in uh, nickel. So you look at it in my from my vantage point, Justin, and what I'm hearing Sark say is not only is the offense, to your point, getting there, but he feels really, really confident in the defense headed into 2023. Well, if you saw, Bobby, last year's, you know, the first year with, with, with Coach PK, the defense took its lumps. And they, I mean, it, it 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 was a hard it was a hard transition for the coaches and for the players. Then last year we started we started seeing the defense get better week in and week out to the point through the fall they were getting they were one of the best part parts of the team at the last part of the season because we saw guys starting to learn their assignments. We saw a few more players that fit what they wanting to do a little bit better. And so I think you got to give PK and that defensive staff a lot of credit because. So there was a lot of Texas fans that, that that were calling for his head after the first year. You know, a lot of knee-jerk reaction. Sark wasn't buying into that. He he, he understood what was going to happen there. Now you're seeing in year three, PK's defense, he's got the guys that he wants to run. He's got those edge backers that that, that want to fit. Uh, you know, and, and, and he's got inside linebackers that, 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 that can make this system work. And then he's got that rotation on the defensive line that's one of the best in the country, let's be honest. And that's, that's including losing a Keandre Coburn in a Moro Ajomo. But right now, what we've learned is if you give PK some time, he'll make it work. If you give him some players, he'll make a fix. If you give him some guys and you put them in the right spots and you, get, and you give them some patience – this Texas defense can do what it needs to do uh, to be successful because the offense is going to take care of its side of the field. I never feel like Sark's group is ever going to be lacking on that side of the field. The offense is always going to be there. So the defense doesn't necessarily have to be the 2000 Ravens or the, the 85 Bears. They, they don't have to be completely shut down artists. They just have to keep you competitive. And the biggest thing for me was the offense converting third downs last season because the year before what we learned these players there were a couple games where they played over 100 snaps in one game and Bobby there's no defense on the earth that can withstand that it doesn't matter who you're playing and so at the end of the day he's got to be happy because it's complimentary football and that it, that means his offense is going to be able to thrive and the defense is also going to be able to thrive He's got the guys on that side of the ball. He calls it his type of team. Well, that's because PK's got his type of guys now, too. And so that meaning is, is more broad than, than we probably understand. I think that PK has his dudes. And, and that's it's just being patient and getting the right guys and recruiting at a high level, getting guys like an Anthony Hill to join the program, a Terrence Brooks to flip from Ohio State. Those are future NFL guys that are now in Austin. And I think a few years ago, we weren't, we weren't having that conversation. And so PK and those guys need a lot of credit. They, they, they really improved last year, 10 guys returning. The D line's going to have another strong rotation. Linebackers improved. The secondary returns a lot of guys. There's reason for optimism, optimism on that side of the ball, Bobby. I, I tell you what was interesting to me, Justin, he, you brought up Anthony Hill. Uh, Sark in front of the whole audience said, Hey, I think Anthony Hill is going to be a player. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, I, I know that's not saying much in some ways, but for the head coach to mention a freshman at that a true level, freshman that enrolled early. Yeah. I, I think that, that maybe people need to need to start, I, you know, and I, and I think, I feel like from a, from our, our situation, we, we followed him through recruiting, knew that he was a talented player, Yeah, but there's just a level. Once you hit the college game, some guys keep going up. Some guys kind of, you know, plateau. mesh out or plateau. Um, that is just a really, really uh, encouraging thing to hear Sark uh, put him up on a pedestal like that a little bit. Hopefully uh, the things keep working in Anthony Hill's direction. And maybe that's where Texas gets a pass rush uh, this coming year. All right. I, I want to go on to the next point that uh, Sark talked about that I thought was interesting. Uh, he talked about the combination of both the NI of both and the impact of both the NIL and portal. Uh, he, he used the term adapt or die. Uh, it's something yeah. that he's been saying frequently. I don't necessarily like or dislike NIL. It's just adapt or die. I'm not going to sit back and, you know, die here. I, I've got to go out and fight. Uh, and he mentioned the portal uh, as well. And as we know, the portal deadline is coming up April 30th uh, over into May 1st. And there's a 48-hour window there where players can still uh, announce their intent to transfer. As yet, though, Justin, Texas has had very, very good luck or very good fortune. Better than better word than luck, I think, as far as who has and hasn't uh, declared uh, their intent to transfer. NIL has played a role in that. A group called the Texas One Fund uh, has really led the way for Texas on that. However, um, you know, it's still in its nascent stages. Everything is still trying to get figured out uh, and whatnot. I just happen to like Sark's uh, temperament and approach to it. You know, he he is taking a very straightforward approach with his players and with his team, and he thinks that is the key to what's going on uh, right now as, as it relates to the portal. The other thing to mention that I thought was uh, in, in, interesting, he echoed what we've been talking about on Inside Texas for quite a while, Justin, and that's that Texas is not – it, Texas is no longer going to the portal just for sheer depth. They, if they have specific needs, they will go to the portal. If they don't have specific needs, they're not just going to fill in with guys that can be on the two deep and run, you know, be the 51st player on the roster or something like he did his first year. And so that means guys like Gavin Holmes, Donald Catalan, or excuse me, Jalen Catalan, uh, Ryan Sanborn, the punter he mentioned yesterday, uh, as well as A.D. Mitchell, uh, Trill Carter, uh, the defensive tackle out of Minnesota. So there's a couple of guys in there that have, he's added, but he's not necessarily having feels like he has to go to the portal unless it's a specific need or like a, a special caliber player. And I, I think that that, in my opinion, probably has helped with the attrition that Texas has seen from its own roster, right? Because those guys don't feel like they're getting uh, – recruited over per se, unless they're just not ready yet. Um, and I think that's a, that's interesting to me. Adapt or die has been, has been one of his, his coin phrases. And, and I'm pretty sure he got that from the movie Moneyball. Uh, that's when Billy Bean yeah. is explaining to, to, to Grady, his, his elders, his elder scout that, you know, you got to adapt or die. You got, we, we're going to have to change. And so it, it's become a pretty good little phrase to use, but it, it there's a lot of truth to it. And so I think what, you know, I give Sark a lot of credit for this. He's found a balance with Portal 
with NIL, with recruiting. And that's the key, I think, moving forward as as it starts to shape and become what it's going to become over the next five or 10 years in collegiate athletics. Just find the balance. Find, find the way to, to fill in the roster without destroying yourself recruiting. And at the same time, make sure you have enough NIL to where it keeps kids interested and it also keeps you in some big recruitments. And, and you got to give Sark and you got to give, you know, CDC and all of, and, and the donors and the boosters. You got to give all those guys credit because they've all stepped to the plate and, and, and chipped in. It's, it's never a one man show at Texas. But Sark has understood that he's embraced it. And finding that balance to me is is something we talked about a couple of years ago at Inside Texas when this all started to come, you know, become something, when the portal became something, then NIL became something. It was you got to find a balance because we've seen we've seen teams every offseason literally strip almost the entire roster to bring in a bunch of new guys. Look at Colorado right now, Deion Sanders. They have 70 scholarships available right now. 70. And they only have 85. And so we, we see programs. Texas State did it two years ago in Spaz last year. We've seen programs completely strip down things to, to thinking they can build it back up. Sark didn't have to do that. And that, to me, that, that I think that saved a few years, to be honest with you. He's found a good balance. He's found a good niche. He goes from the high mental eval guys in the portal. He's very judicious with that process. They just don't take anybody. And I think a lot of schools sometimes throw numbers at kids because, well, you played, you know, at, at this major D1 school. So at least, you know, you can be this guy. You know, they don't have to wait two years for a recruit to be on campus and to go through a red shirt. This guy's already been through it. Sark figured out, you know what? I don't need to do that. Sark's figured out, I'm going to recruit at a high level in high school. I'm going to use NIL where it's advantageous. And I'm going to find the best balance of, of using the portal as possible, because when you use that portal too much, you disrupt continuity, you disrupt chemistry. It's hard to build a culture when you're bringing in another guy from another program 20, 30 times a year. That That's hard. Sark, I think, recognized that, Bobby. And to me, finding that balance has been one of the best things he has done since being a football coach in Austin. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me. Uh, you bring in guys that can contribute but you don't you don't go whole hog right you don't go wholesale into the portal uh, yeah. and disrupt the culture of your team uh, you allow those guys to come in and be part of the culture uh, and so it's like hiring two or three guys instead of hiring 30 new guys and all of a sudden you have a new company right and right. i think that's a that's been a big piece of it um all right uh, next next topic and this was uh hilarious during the uh, Touchdown Club dinner, I don't know how many of you guys know Mattress Mac, uh, the uh, the uh, mattress, the uh, gallery king of future. Owner. Yeah, he was actually one of the MCs and actually was there with Sark yesterday, and they were talking. And uh, Sark's first question was, "All right, the question for the audience was, who bet? Who's going to bet that quarterback is my first question?" And Mattress Mac popped up and hey, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, but it was a good. He's a gambler. Uh, so. No, it's a good repartee between those two. It's clearly funny. Not many people know the mattress Mac was at Texas for a while uh, back in the '60s. Uh, but uh, he is a Longhorn, even though he roots for all Texas teams nowadays as a business owner in the Houston area. Uh, I want to say this though, as it relates to quarterbacks, uh, Sark had a lot to say, uh, uh, Justin, and he was really high on all three of the, those guys. Perhaps uh, the two most interesting things were said about Arch Manning. 
One, Arch Manning has current got no NIL to go to the University of Texas. Okay. Furthermore, his grandfather said for him not to take any NIL until he plays, until he's actually the starter. Which we've heard think, him say that before. I think some old school guys that, that follow this this podcast or this video cast as well as Inside Texas are nodding their heads in agreement. At the same time, you know, Arch is differently situated than other recruits as well, as far as uh, the, the background yeah. that he has. So it's a little bit different. The second thing he said about Arch that I, I just, listening as a fan uh, and as a reporter that I felt was very interesting, he asked if he was, if Arch was happy being the third string quarterback, given that Malik Murphy had a good spring, Quinn Ewers had a good spring. And Steve Sarkeesian's almost immediate answer, Justin, was, I hope the heck not. I hope he's trying to fight for that first string string uh, role because the minute that you as a competitor say, okay, I'm going to accept my lot as third string is the minute maybe you stop putting your foot on the pedal to become a better player. And I felt like Sark did a really, really nice job explaining that, not from a standpoint of, hey, I want him to beat out Quinn Ewers or I'm rooting for him over this guy or that guy. He's rooting for them all uh, to come out. Uh, right now. And I felt like that was very good. He also had some nice things to say about both yours and uh, Malik Murphy felt like uh, Malik uh, had made a, a real big jump. Uh, talked about how uh, he has been patient and bided his time uh, said that Malik didn't even start all of his junior year. And then because right. there's another uh, player ahead of him, he's been injured this whole off or most of his time at Texas or at least half of it. Um, and so he is still growing he felt like uh, Cole. I felt like uh, Quinn uh, did some good things as well. Uh, but clearly, uh, the quarterback room at Texas very, very talented, and I think that uh, Sark very happy with him. You know, being I have a couple of buddies who who have kids that play quarterback at the college level, and and some of them have their head coaches are former quarterbacks, and those are some really deep conversations, Bobby. Because when the quarter when, when when you play quarterback and your head coach is a former quarterback, that to me is is really doubling down on the most important position in, in sports. And so Sark, when when you can stand up in front of a crowd of, of fans and boosters and, and those in Houston and, and tell them, I have a Quinn Ewers, I have a Malik Murphy, and I have an Arch Manning. Like you gotta wake up giddy every morning. Like Sark's got to look in the mirror and go, man, this thing is rolling. <laughs> I got some guys here. I've got I've got my stud five star number one player in the country, Quinn Ewers. I've got my developmental kid that is developing in front of our eyes, and I've got the number one player in the country from last year who just so happens to have a, a historic name when it comes to the quarterback position in football. If you're Sark, you got to pinch yourself sometimes. You got to say, man, this this is a good life. You got to remember where you came from and, and and start to think about, man, I went through a lot of stuff, but now I'm in the moment. I'm here. And that's when it gets fun, I think, for a coach like Sark who let, played quarterback. Let, yeah, I agree. Let, let's move on to some news that's uh, more uh, recent. Uh, obviously, B. John Robinson at the NFL draft tonight, I think it's in Kansas City, expecting to have his name called. Sark said he would be there with B. John. Yes. Uh, and, uh, it's going to be an interesting night to see just how high a running back, any running back, goes in the NFL draft. Robinson expected to be the first one taken. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It, it's no-brainer Robinson's going to be the first running back taken. We're in an era where running backs don't go in the first round like they used to. The times have changed in the NFL. You used to be a 25, 35-carry-a-game guy for every team, made fantasy football a hell of a lot easier. Now it's running back by committee. You could have three or four different tailbacks getting different snaps at different times. They even have different packages for different backs. And so it's a different, it's a different game. Bijan Robinson, though, He's the old school back. He can take those 30 carries a game. They asked him, who is your favorite running back all time? If you've watched guys, you know, growing up, who is the best running back you've ever seen? And it, it made me grin and smile and gave me all the warm and fuzzies because he said Barry Sanders. Because that's kind of what I'm seeing a little bit I, forever. I never thought I'd see another Barry Sanders. I really thought I, they're just, they don't, the mold's done. There's not, there's not another one. Bijan's got a lot of those similarities. He is the old school every down back, not to mention an incredible receiver out of the backfield. And so I think the best teams are going to use him in like a Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara type role where you, you, you can, you, he's just not going to get the ball handed to him. He's going to be used all over the field. Bijan Robinson, we've known for years watching him and covering how good he is. It's funny to see the national media sort of catch up over the last four months on just how valuable he is on the field, not to mention what he does off the field. People need to understand in the NFL, the, the physicality and, the, and, and the, the potential is what gets you drafted. But those interviews and the vetting process is so thorough that costs you money in different spots here and there. Bijan's stock has only rose. Every week we've talked about the draft. Every week you've seen a mock draft come out. Bijan's stock keeps rising. Why? Because he's not just because he's one of he's the best running back in the draft. It's because he's one of the best players overall in the draft. And you and, and, and I think smart franchises are going to look at it and go, let's not just look at it as drafting a running back in the first round. Let's look at it drafting the best player available in the first round because that's truly how you build a franchise. Bobby, I've got some true fear happening tonight. Okay. I'm You're a Cowboys fan, I'm not, aren't you? I'm not joking. Matthew's over there in the background probably giggling his butt off. I'm telling you, the Eagles at 10 love Bijan. And Bijan is the type of player that if you drop him into Philadelphia, that team becomes the best team in the NFC probably by a mile. Okay? So there's that. And then you got the Buffalo Bills who are right there in the mix at the top of the AFC with Kansas City and with Cincinnati. You know what they need? You drop a Bijan Robinson into that town, oh, stars, banners, trophies, 
Oh my. Bijan Robinson is the legit guy. Everyone is starting to catch up to it. He is not getting out of the top 15 picks. I like Atlanta at eight. Uh, that's a team that, that that hasn't had a star running back in years from Michael Turner to Devontae Freeman. I mean, Jamal Anderson doing the dirty bird might be the last pro bowler they've had at tailback. And so I, I think that would be a good fit as well. But at the end of the day, Bijan Robinson's going to go across stage and he's going to throw up to hook him when he gets drafted. And that's going to be a different thing that we've seen in a long time. And I can tell you this, Bobby, in the next few years, we're going to see it even more. Yeah, there's there's some guys on the come. I want to ask you one more question, Justin. Uh, and this has to do uh, maybe with uh, the portal itself and where Texas sits right now. I had a friend text me a note uh, today. He says he tucks himself into bed a little bit nicer every night when someone hasn't entered the portal for Texas. Right. It's that kind of time you'd like you're hoping back. You're hoping you don't hear bad news behind the scenes. What are you hearing as it relates to Texas players potentially going into the portal? Is it pretty quiet? A lot of chatter. What's going on? Well, 24 hours after the spring game, there was a lot of chatter and expect we expected that. Yeah, Um, I I think fans are predisposed. They see a a kid hit the the portal and they instantly think, oh, that's the worst thing in the world. When they don't understand, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's it's not just a kid. Sometimes it's a mutual thing. Often, sometimes it's the team trying to move in another direction. So fans that they take it on the chin when all in all, Sark and those guys are just simply refurbishing the roster. And so. You know, right now the chatter went from da, 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 for 24, 48 hours. We we saw a number of kids hit the portal, Derek Brown, Travell Johnson, Brendan Thompson. And now I think the chatter has gotten a lot quieter. These kids have had their interviews with the staff. They, they, they know where they stand. And at this stage, you know, I'm never surprised if I see a kid announce, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the portal. But most of the time we know when a kid is going to go in or doesn't. And right now we're hearing that the few that we thought that may also join those other guys, we're hearing they may be sticking around now. They had good springs. They had good interviews with the coaches. Uh, I know a few players in particular were, were a little worried about what their role was going to be this year. Sark and those guys did a great job of letting kids know, look, we need you for this. We're going to need you for that. Uh, we're going to need you for depth here. You might be in the rotation here. Um, there's a lot of good depth at some of these spots. And so you want to make sure you keep that and you maintain it, especially on the offensive line. And so the chatter to me went pretty silent over the last week. Again, I'm never surprised if I see a kid announce it. Uh, Sometimes they're an emotional decision from these players and, and, and understandably so they're 18 to 21, 22 years old. But, you know, you and I heard a lot after the spring game, there was a couple guys that we thought, all right, he's, he's, he's probably going to, he's probably going to go to, greener pastures in his eyes. But then after the exit meetings, we only saw a few hit the portal. And some of those other ones that we were worried about, we're not worried about anymore or not as much. And so from a portal standpoint, if I'm a Texas fan, I really wouldn't, that's not something I would worry about today. When it, you know, two or three years ago, yeah, I'd have a side eye checking out that that, that, that database because you just never know. Kids, the direction of the program was different. But now that there's so much buy-in in Austin, a lot of kids want to be a part of something special. They want to be a part of something that they feel like they're they're growing into. And that's why I think that the, that the portal has, has been so beneficial for Texas. I don't see a lot, a lot more kids going in, Bobby. I really don't. Now, the summer comes in, 
You're going to have a bunch of new freshmen enroll, and and you never know what's going to happen once those kids get on campus the first week in June. Uh, you know that conversation could come back up in August after you know after two days, and 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 so and we'll definitely revisit it because there's probably going to be a little bit of that chatter, you know, coming out of fall fall camp. But right now, after you know a couple of days after the spring game, it, it's gotten kind of quiet. I think That's kids good. just wanted to be reassured, Bobby, that they are. There is a plan for these kids. There is a role for each person. And when players and kids know that they have some ownership, you don't want to give that up because then starting over is like moving to a new school, learning new friends, learning a new system. I went to eight different schools. I'm going to tell you something, Bobby. That is miserable. These players are no different. And so sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. You just have to look at the shade a little different. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to Justin Wells. I, I also want to say this. Uh, I, one of the things that I feel like, Justin, uh, that helps galvanize this team together has been Sark's approach to saying, hey, we want to win the conference championship in our last year in the big have to. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that that is a if you're a competitor uh, at and uh, you're playing at the University of Texas and you feel like a championship is within sight. Uh, it is rare for someone to kind of move away from that, right? Because that's that's a natural competition that that is a goal that that is not always going to be easy to to meet going somewhere else. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Or within sight and within reach. All right, uh, for Justin Wells, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this week or this episode of On Tech Texas Football. Have a good one.